Welcome to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast where seeing things differently inspires limitless possibilities. The Limitless podcast was created in order to inform, educate, entertain, and share stories from within the blind and partially sighted community that show that the opportunities for those who are blind or partially sighted are truly limitless. And now, it is my pleasure to introduce you to your host, the founder of Blind Beginnings, Sean Marcelet. Welcome back to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. I'm your host, Sean Marcelet. Thank you for joining us again this week. So uh, we decided it would be really interesting to find out a little bit what it's like to be blind in other countries. And I'm excited to introduce my co-host today, Clement because he found us somebody we could talk to, but I don't want to give it all away. So welcome, Clement. <clears throat> uh, thanks, Sean. Hi. Uh, it's good to be back again. And um, yeah, this I, I was super excited when we talked about doing this because I've always um, been somebody who's interested in learning about how blind people live in different countries, um, especially growing up <clears throat> as an Asian. I didn't know anybody who was uh, from... Taiwan or Brunei, which is where my parents are from. So I've never learned um, about, I, I didn't learn growing up about what blindness was like in other cultures, except for kind of vague, you know, ideas that I had um, mm -hmm. until <clears throat> I graduated high school and I started working with uh, Japanese students, which is when I came to meet a few good friends. Uh, and Kaho here, who is our guest today, is one of them. She, uh, <clears throat> I've been... We've been friends since 2015, uh, when she came to Canada for the first time to study, and um, she's been here for a long time, and I thought she would be a great person to talk to, because now she's lived here long enough uh, to kind of compare the two and give us, you know, the strengths and weaknesses of both uh, lifestyles, uh, living here in Canada and living in Japan. So yes, thank you. Welcome, Kaho. Hi, hello. It's very nice to meet you. Yeah, you too. Thank you so much for joining us. Can you start by like tell her, tell us a little bit, tell me a little bit about yourself, but you know, also the hundreds of other people that hopefully are listening. Uh, <laughs> a little <laughs> bit about your level of vision, uh, where where specifically in Japan you're from, and what do you do? Uh, my name is Kaho Michihara. I am from Japan. I am from uh, Shizuoka Prefecture that is located at the middle of Japan, which is near uh, Mount Fuji. Mm. Uh, I was born there. I grew up there until I graduated from my elementary school. Then I went to Tokyo and I moved to Tokyo and uh, started my... Um, middle school, like I was in Tokyo until I was 20. I went to the high school that is uh, with a dormitory. So mm -hmm. I lived separately with my family since I was 12 years old and living in the dormitory until I graduated from high school. Then I went to Japanese university for two years uh, before coming to Canada. I came to Canada when I was 20 years old. Uh, I was going to uh, learn English just for a month in Vancouver. Mm. Then I found out I liked Canada better, decided to drop out of, of the Japanese university and came back from Can to Canada. Then it's been seven years since I moved to Canada. Okay. Wow. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. I have so many questions. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, before I dive into that, what what is, are you totally blind or do you have some vision? Oh yeah, I am totally blind. I was partially blind for a long, long time and I became totally blind a few years ago. Okay. Okay. So the school that you went to where you stayed in a dormitory, was that a school for the blind? Oh, yes, yes, yeah. It is a special school for the blind. It is national school uh, for the special special school for the blind. In Japan, there is, uh, um, there is a, like, there are schools for the blind in every prefecture, but there is only one national school for the blind in Tokyo, and I went there. So is it like elementary school, you're, you stay closer to home and then when you oh, get- Oh yeah, I went to the regular elementary school, like a normal regular, like oh, okay. uh, uh, elementary school with the sighted students. Okay. Then I went to the special school for the blind from grade seven to 12. 
Right. Uh, uh, Kyle, can you explain the difference between, you said there were schools for the blind in every prefecture, but only one national school that's in Tokyo. Can you tell us what the difference between those oh, are? Oh, yeah. So, like, we have a special school for the blind in every prefecture, and but it is, like, quite small. Like, there is a very few numbers of students there. And uh, the National Special School for the Blind, where I went, is uh, so the students come from all of Japan. Okay, so, whereas the, the prefectural schools, most people are from that prefecture, right? Yes, yes, okay, yes. Okay, gotcha. So there are more numbers of students, and the special, like, National Special School for the Blind are is a like it is a role model of the japanese like education for the blind so like I many professional teachers are there like specialized staff is there right, right. and they're like teaching how to educate persons with visual impairment to the other schools like mm -hmm. right so it's I kind see. of the standard the the central place for mm -hmm. blindness education okay that's yeah, very cool yeah so I mean, you experienced a, a regular school with sighted kids and a school for the blind. Which which did you like better? Uh, I like the school for the blind better. Was there support for you in the regular school? Not really. Like I experienced like lots of kinds of discrimination and bullying there, mm -hmm. and I didn't really have any friends. Right. And like there is one like I was like I was in the regular school with sighted students but they put me into the special class like for oh, yeah. people with disabilities then like they thought I was a like I was different like mm -hmm. like kids in the class thought I was different and like it was a very tough time for me yeah so you're segregated in yeah. this you're supposed like it's supposed to be like you're integrated but they're segregating you in that yeah. situation yeah. and the teachers like they they didn't know how to educate me how to support me and mm -hmm. they're kind mm -hmm. of like forced me to pretend like pretend to be like a sighted student because mm -hmm. i was partially blind at that time mm -hmm. so like i didn't know how to use braille i didn't know how to use the cane like it was uh i just pretended to be like a sighted student and mm -hmm. i thought that being blind was bad right mm -hmm. oh Yes, I understand. Well, thankfully you got to move on, although it must have been tough being at a school for the blind away from your family at such a young age. How was that for you? Uh, yeah, but it turned to be really good for me, actually. Like my parents are overwhelmed my parents were so, you know, overwhelmed to raise me because mm -hmm. they don't, they didn't also know like how to raise visually impaired kids. Mm -hmm. So they decided to send me to the school and like, you know, teachers are very supportive and like my parents got to know other parents who are raising visually impaired kids and like they got more resourceful and like that made me and my parents like feel more confident. Yes. Yeah. That, and that's, that's a really interesting you point up, uh, point out because I think from what I understand, and uh, actually I want to ask you about this too, here in Canada we have organizations like the CNIB and Blind Beginnings that are very active in mm -hmm. bringing families together, in bringing kids together to help them do things like that. Um, you know, like exactly like you said, help parents who are struggling to feel more confident when they meet other parents or other kids. Um, what is it like for blindness organizations in Japan? Are there organizations like this where the goal is to help parents and kids network with each other and build communities or is that something that is usually not addressed uh there is like there is an organization supporting like you know parents and the kids with blindness but uh like when i went to the regular elementary school we didn't know about the organization like mm -hmm. we got like we got to know the organization like since I started to going the special school for the blind. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so nobody really connects you with those services mm -hmm. from a young no, age. Like I had very little connection and that mm -hmm. was not that helpful. 
Mm. Like, and so my, I, my parents and I are very isolated, like, especially mm-hmm. because we are from the very small remote town. Mm-hmm. So like organizations are located at the center of the city and it right. is, it is not easy for us to go like there. Big and, cities, right? Yeah. Big cities. Yeah. yeah. Like there is an organization in Shizuoka, but like, you know, the organization is located at the very center of the big city, but like, I am from the small town, which is like two hours by a car. Yeah. And, you know, it was like 20 something years ago, like online things are not as good as today. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like we cannot have a chance to connect them online or Mm. it's just the only way for us to access those resources are just like go there. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. I would love to know. I have a cousin who um, taught English in Japan many, many years ago. And she said, Sean, you have to go there. Everything is <laughs> so accessible. There's like tactile markings on the pavement to take you out of the train station, all these things. So from your perspective, how accessible, and I imagine there's a big difference between Tokyo and more remote places, yeah. but how accessible is Japan? for people who are blind? Uh, so it is accessible. Like Tokyo is way more accessible compared to Shizuoka where I grew up. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, tactic path is everywhere. And you know, there is a like bread on the elevator, on the station. Like tactic pathway is only helpful if we know how to get there. If we don't have any idea where I'm, like, if I don't have any idea where I'm going, or if if I don't have any any idea what the station looks like, then the tactic pathway is not that helpful. It just tells Mm -hmm. us to go straight. Right. Mm -hmm. I know we have it at the SkyTrain stations, the newer stations, and it's funny because it guides you to the elevator, but I never take the elevator I it doesn't yeah. take you to the stairs or the escalator yeah. <laughs> like yeah, I don't right. want to take the elevator Elevate, so. no no me neither so, yeah <laughs> yeah it's easier so, like, to get lost in an elevator yeah <laughs> no. yeah yeah and like you know like people think like people always think it's easy for me to take the elevator and like they try to guide me to the elevator mm-hmm. but I don't want to take elevator like even if like like braille and the audio is in the elevator it's still easy for me to go to the stairs because i know like where yeah exactly how many floors up you've Um, gone yeah yeah Yeah. totally and which direction you're facing and all of that yeah yeah so Mm -hmm. you've lived in vancouver for quite a few years now Mm -hmm. is is vancouver more less or more accessible than somewhere like tokyo Uh, i think like tokyo is more accessible physically okay but People in Vancouver are more friendly and like they are not hesitant to like say like speak to me like mm-hmm. that makes me feel more accessible. Because yeah, in that's, Tokyo, a, that's a wonderful point. Yeah, like in Tokyo, like I when I get lost or when I get like when I need some help, I have to say, like excuse me, excuse me, twice or three times to get mm-hmm. people. Right. Like in Vancouver, I don't even have to say anything. Like people just come to me, like, hey, do you have any help? And like I have to say no, like twice or three times. Yeah, exactly. So, so it's funny you mentioned that because, like, Sean, you, you and I would both say, you know, sometimes we get approached so much that it's some, you know, it's something we too complain many about, offers, too right? much help, yeah, so yeah. much. But when you think about it like that, um, I think it gives a whole different perspective. Of, okay, at least. I get offered help enough to be annoyed about it mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. as opposed yeah. to, you know, the other side where like you get, it's frustrating for the opposite reason, because no matter how many times you ask, people just kind of are too busy and they walk by and they, you know, don't mm-hmm. stop. Yeah. I it's, have a choice to say no. even. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's a, that's a great point. Coach. Right. Yeah. I mean, I have, I have sort of experienced the not getting an answer either when I take the SkyTrain at uh, certain stations, if you get on the wrong one, you're going to mm-hmm. end up in a different place. And I have to call into the train sometimes if the train's already sitting there when I arrive to say, is this train going to 
wherever. Mm-hmm. And I always have to ask twice and louder the second time because yeah. nobody answers, but that's just a case of people are like looking at their phones, not paying attention, you know, yeah. but yeah. yeah. generally we got lots of help whether we want it or not (laughs) yeah and people are like it's like in tokyo like when i get lost like people say like hey like how about how about asking the like asking the station staff and like letting (laughs) letting them to guide you but it happens like especially in the big stations like they said the station staff said oh sorry we are too busy can you please wait for 20 30 minutes (gasps) to guide you really and that's that's like you know uh i have my thing like yeah i've got to get where you're going i know you're busy i understand that but like you know i don't want to wait for 20 30 minutes just to go to the platform like Mm -hmm. it's like 50 meters away Yes. Yeah. Like in here, like the station stuff is like here and there. They say like, hey, like, where do you want to go? Or like people just take me there. It, it, yeah. it takes me like yeah. a few minutes. To people will take people. you there. Or if you just ask them to tell you where it is, yeah, they'll tell you where it is. Yeah. Right. Whereas in Japan, it tends to be more. Tra- and I'll talk about this later, too, when I discuss my visits. But I found that when I asked people to tell me where they'd be like, oh, just wait 20, 30 minutes and we'll take you. And I was like, okay. yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. so if you ask just a, like another passenger um to to give you some information or guide you they they will say oh why don't you just ask the people who work here uh so like some of them some of them take me there some okay. of them say i don't know some of them say like let me research mm. but like you know and some of them just ignore me yeah. And so if I'm lucky, I can find a person who can just take me there or right. tell me where to go. Okay. Yeah. But it usually happens like, oh, sorry, I don't know. Like I can take you to the station staff or just like station staff just like speak to me. Hey, like, how can I help you? Do you need any help? And I said, oh, I want to go this way. And they said, okay. So like you need to wait for 10 or 20 minutes. <laughs> oh. And, you know, in Japan, like Vancouver, there is only one train company, like BC Transit is only the one. In Japan, there are so many train companies and like station yeah. stuff work for it. Mm. So like, it's not easy. Like, like they can just help me within their area. So if okay. I need to transfer or if I need to go to the another, like other train companies area, then they can't do that. Like they just like tell yes. me, they just take me to the another train area and ask the station staff to help so me. So then you have to wait again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We do have two different companies. Um, the, uh, the Canada line is a different staff and so you can get assistance, but yeah, there is that sort of like crossover, but mm-hmm. I don't think you have to wait here. I think it's no. pretty seamless. No, it is yeah. it is pretty quick. Um mm. and and if and and because Sean, we're we're less uh rigid about our guidelines. Yeah. If there's no one else around, if a SkyTrain attendant takes you from waterfront to the Canada line, no one is really going to say anything. Right. I I know some do will do that for sure. Yeah. 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 Whereas in Japan, it's actually, you know, they're not allowed they're follow the rules. to cross their zones. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if they work for one company, they're not allowed to take you into a part of the station that is yeah. kind mm-hmm. of crossing over boundaries. So that makes it really tough for yeah, sure. Yeah. The manual is very rigid in Japan and it's like everyone needs to follow it. So right. what about like, I don't know, you go into a coffee shop, you're blind and you want to you know, order a coffee and find a table and like, how are people that work in the service industry trained to support people with disabilities? Do you get the assistance you need? Is like, how accessible is that in Japan? I think it is like those kinds of services are getting more accessible. Like it's like getting accessible more and more. So now like when I go to a coffee shop, they are they like serve me very well like Mm. i don't think they are officially trained but like Mm. they know how to support me like they are they know how to support visually impaired people more and more like Mm. that's good 
Yeah. So you don't have the silent person behind the counter that isn't speaking. So you don't know you can take your order <laughs> that you can give your order or <laughs> it used to have it, it used to be happening a lot when I yeah. was in Japan like before I came to Canada, like which was like seven years ago. But like now when I go to a coffee shop, like they're quite supportive, which okay. surprised me, but it, it it's it's good. Okay. And what about restaurants? Do Are there menus in Braille or, you know, features that, that assist people who are blind? Uh, no, like very few restaurants have a Braille menu, but now like many restaurants upload their menu online. So mm-hmm. I usually say it before going there or the restaurant, but yeah. It's pretty like, you know, when I get the server, they usually like rate the menu for me. So mm-hmm. I like, I often do that because okay. that's, <laughs> that's good. So it sounds quite similar to yeah. here. How, how do you handle, so in, in Japan, it's very common to, and we're seeing this in Canada now too, but in Japan, it's been around a lot longer. How do you handle digital ordering? Because a lot of restaurants um, will order, so they'll have a, uh, for those who don't know, they'll have a touch panel oh. either beside the table uh, or if you go to a pub and it's a that's a closed off pub with just you and your friends in a private room, they'll have a tablet. Oh. Um, yeah. So the server doesn't actually show up until you've ordered your food. Yikes. So how do you how do you handle that? Um, yeah. It's getting more normal and I don't like it, but yeah. So I don't usually go to that kind of restaurant by myself. I usually go with my friends or with my family, like mm-hmm. who can do can that. Do like, yeah, 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 yeah. But like some restaurant, like, like things are only for touch, but like, Especially the restaurant is small. I go there and the show, big server shows up like, hey, let me help you because that's not accessible. I imagine the first time <laughs> if you're a group of blind folks and you went to a place like that and you're all in a room and no one's coming and no one's coming and no one's coming and nobody knows yeah. that you've got this touchscreen ordering you, system. Have you had an experience? Experience like that where it's you it's been you and you know maybe one or two other blind friends at a restaurant with a touch panel how do you guys handle that uh so yeah i went i went to uh was it like i think i went to sushi restaurant with my three blind friends and you know like we could not even find the table because the server didn't show up and like the mm. tablet showed us where to sit ah. and the, like the tablet there is a like button to call the server but like it it is in the tablet but it's a tablet wow so i cannot like we cannot even call the server and there is a like group of people entering the restaurant behind us and i ask them for help right Okay, and they, were and they willing they, to they press the button for us, and the server finally showed up, like you know, took us to the table, and the server said, "Okay, so you can order everything from this tablet." And I said, "Ah, uh, no, sorry, you need to do this for us." And like she was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. So what is the kind of attitude towards disability in japan from most people how would you describe uh, it i think they are worried like they are afraid of mm-hmm. helping us like okay. like you know like they are yeah they are not sure if they are doing things right or like if like they are afraid of doing something wrong okay so yeah they're like they often say i'm doing right let me know if i am i do something wrong they're like like i was like "Mm, like you don't have to be that afraid like just give me an arm and like take Mm. me there like it's (laughs) (laughs) yeah would you say that kind of comes from like because you and i know like japan is a very is very 
harsh about mistakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It's a culture where, you know, everything has to be done right and done yeah. well. Yeah. And if you screw up, it's really, really embarrassing. Yeah. Um, would you yeah. say that's kind of where that yes. comes from? Is they're worried yes. to make a mistake so that, yeah. you know, they might look yeah. bad or, you yeah. know, something might happen to us or that kind of thing? Would you yeah. say that's yeah, exactly. I think so. Hmm. Okay. Um, this might be, I don't know, too personal. So like, if you don't want to answer, that's okay. But I'm just curious mm-hmm. if you are, if you grow up in a culture where mistakes are viewed as embarrassing and then you have a disability, like how does that impact how you feel about yourself? Is disability viewed as a mistake? I don't, you know, so, or, or something wrong like is yes. that yeah yes i thought being disability was wrong yeah. like i was wrong i thought that when i was a child right yeah i mean i think i felt that too so mm-hmm. and even in a culture where it's not yeah necessarily you know so shameful to make a mistake but still there's sort of this goal for perfection right like yeah. you want your child to be perfect and if you have a disability that's seen as not perfect so yeah, so yeah. my self-esteem was really, really low when I was a child. Mm-hmm. Then, like, things got changed a little bit when I, like, went to the special school for the blind, where everyone is blind. Yeah. And, you know, like, teachers, like... See your value. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. That helped me, too, just connecting with other mm-hmm. other people like me, right? Yeah. <laughs> And when I came to Canada, I found out the society is more open-minded. Yeah. So that makes me feel, oh yeah, like I am, I am one of them. Like right, that's cool. So yeah. like that attitude. Oh, Sorry, ahead. Sean. No, go ahead. I was gonna say, do you think that attitude is starting to change with younger people? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because it is of, right. Like because you know. Now, like, we have SNS, and, like, there are lots of, like, visually impaired influencers, and mm-hmm. the educational curriculum got changed, and, you know, media is paying more attention to portraying the normal life of people with disabilities. So, like, people are more, younger people are more open-minded, and, like, they like they're not segregating us like as much as mm. the older people do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd love to know about, yeah, like how disability is portrayed in the media in Japan, because I feel like in North America, you know, you, we're getting some characters or, or I don't know what you call it. They are, portrayed, like, they are usually portrayed as like very extreme, right? Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or, or just a background character. Yeah, Maybe. yeah, yeah. So but does like, Japan, is there is there characters with disabilities? Still do that. Like, it still do that, but it's getting a little bit better. Okay. And, you know, talking about disability used to be taboo mm. in oh. schools and, like, in a normal conversation. Mm. But, like, it's getting more, like, it's becoming more visible. So it's really interesting because I I love I love learning about Japanese movies and Japanese characters, mm-hmm. and it's it's interesting how yeah it, it's it's very you know of course it's unrealistic in uh, North American media and Japanese media, but it's really interesting because sometimes I find Japanese media make you know most of their blind characters yeah I know about to be like almost superhuman. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, superhuman or very depressing person. Yeah, so that's that seems to be a trend that is in both cultures. Hero mm-hmm. or uh, helpless? Yeah, or helpless. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and their families are all depressed. Yeah, um, and there's you know a lot of. I think this is bigger in Japan than in North America, but there's sometimes like romances that form between you know, a blind character and somebody who's not blind. And there's this idea there. Uh, I think, Kaho, you might know what drama I'm talking about, but there was one a while ago with a blind girl and a guy who was either in the Yakuza or he was just a bad kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it was kind of 
exploring how their worlds were supposed to cross and you know this it was supposed to be heartwarming uh, because you know she gets to teach him things that he doesn't realize and he's like oh you know that the, the world i took for granted is so much newer because of your perspective and stuff like that like mm -hmm. did you watch that kind of but I, heard, you... I, I heard i heard about it from my friends like okay. this drama needs many things that needs to be fixed but i still think this drama is much better than the other ones mm -hmm. um what is what are the employment options like for people who are blind in Japan? Like, is there a high unemployment rate? Are there certain jobs blind people tend to do? Is there certain careers you're pushed into if you're blind? Yeah, uh, the unemployment rate in Japan is lower than that in Canada. Okay. That is because uh, many people, like many visually impaired people are uh, like, pushed into the what it is it called uh uh acupuncture acupuncture yeah yeah career okay and like other career option is uh becoming available more and more and like people you know people get into the uh you know office work teachers and like those kind of things, but many people uh went goes to the puncture things, so that makes up the like unemployment things. Okay, so what are you studying? Do you have a job, or are you going to school to become something specific? Uh, so I just graduated from Bachelor of Social Work at University of Northern BC, oh, cool. and I got accepted to the Master of Social Work. Awesome. So starting the other, starting the school from September. That's great. Yeah, wow. I'm very excited. Cool. Okay, so you've lived in Canada, you've lived in Japan. Which do you prefer and why? <laughs> Ooh, that's a big question, but I prefer living in Canada so far because okay. I like people to be more open-minded and friendly. Mm. Okay. So Clement, you visited Japan. What, like, tell us about your experience and what was your perspective? Yeah. So I, I went to Japan for two weeks uh, in 2018. That was kind of my first, it was the first trip I ever did solo uh, on my own without my family, without uh, my student or without school, uh, nothing like that. And it was really interesting because most of what, <clears throat> I mean, most of it has already been, you know, talked about. Um, Kaho mentioned, you know, having Yes, it's nice having tactile markings and Braille, uh, except it's not helpful if you don't know where you're going or if you don't know how to read Japanese Braille. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, because I, you know, uh, I speak Japanese. Uh, I, I learned it fluently, but I learned it verbally. So I don't actually know how to read Braille. I can now a little bit, still not great. I still need to work on it, but because there's so you know, little in the way of materials to learn it. I never had a chance to properly study it. So when I went there, sure, there was Braille everywhere and it was awesome. Uh, I went to a couple of museums, uh, you know, and they had pamphlets below the displays and stuff and it was all in Braille, oh. but I couldn't read it. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> um, you know, but it was, it was interesting. I think the, the thing that stood out to me the most was, uh, like Kaho said, the fact that, you know, when I was trying to take transit, uh, whether it was me or with another blind friend, there were some episodes that I remember very, uh, very clearly, and that you know they really shocked me uh, because growing up in Canada, um, I'd never experienced like things like that before. One of them was, um, <clears throat> I had that experience of being told to wait 20, 30 minutes um, mm -hmm. when the gate that I wanted, you know, I told them very clearly um, where I was trying to go. Um, and uh, I and they told me, oh, you know, it's okay. You know, we're busy right now, but can you wait a few minutes? And I said, sure. And so a few minutes turned into about twenty. Um, and turned out that the gate that I wanted was, you know, forty, fifty steps away. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it wasn't a hard walk. Uh, it was straight up a flight of stairs, and it was just right there. And I was like, okay, 
<laughs> you know, that's not what I yeah. didn't think it was going to be. The, you know, I thought it was going to be harder than that. Uh, and then the other time I remember with transit was when, you know, um, <clears throat> we had, you know, J Japanese guiding uh, on transit when it works is fantastic. Uh, they will guide you right up to the train door and, you know, they'll radio ahead to tell somebody at the stop where you're going that you're coming. And by the time you get there, um, they will, you know, the, as as soon as the door opens, it's like their elbows right there. And it's like, oh, OK, mm. <laughs> <laughs> that was really efficient, um, you know. But efficiency and friendly people, like Kaho already talked about, are two very different things. Um, and that was something that really kind of made that uh, very clear to me, was even though it was very efficient, it felt like being treated like a piece of luggage. Um, you know, it was just kind of, you were somebody's job. Um, you know, they had to pass you off. Um, and so that was efficient. But then one time when we were going to a station, we were transferring trains, we walked through this hallway and it was around, you know, maybe two in the afternoon. So it was very crowded. There were lots of young people around, you know, in the hallway kind of talking. And um, I remember I was walking with a friend and the station attendant and I felt his hand go up and I was like, oh, you know, maybe he's just waving and, and Kaho knows this story. Uh, and, you know, I, I was just, okay, maybe he's going to wave at them and, you know, gesture for them to let us by. And all of a sudden I hear, blind people coming through! Excuse us, please! <laughs> and I was like, did that really just happen? Wow. <laughs> I was, I, you know, I was mortified because now I, I've had some people tell me that it's rare that that happens. I've had some people tell me that it happens all the time. Kaho, mm -hmm. clarify this for me. Yeah, <laughs> does, that, does that happen a lot? Yeah, yeah, it does. And I don't like it. Like, I was like, don't, don't treat me like a burden. Like, you yeah. know, like, yeah. patient staff is like, excuse us, excuse us, like, sorry to interrupt you. I was like, ah, oh, why mm. do you need to say excuse or like, excuse us, so sorry. Like, yeah, yeah. I was just like, just take us I'm around. Yeah, I'm just I'm just walking at the station. My just like hearing hearing them saying sorry or excuse yeah. me makes me feel like you don't have a right to be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So that was that was that was very very shocking for me uh, because yeah, that, nobody that would. Me, yeah, that makes me feel like I'm walking thanks to their kindness, and yeah. that makes me feel yeah. so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I I had that ex I had those experiences, and then the other thing was with the service industry um, <clears throat> and I did have an experience, you know, first of all, uh, I, I will preface this by saying other than the disability experiences, I loved Japan. Uh, I've always loved the culture. I've always loved the language. Anybody who knows me knows that. Um, and I really miss it. I really want to go back uh, and I will as soon as I can because it's been five years and I, oh my goodness, uh, the food is amazing. The sites are amazing. The country itself is fantastic. Um, you know, and even, even some of the disability things, if you can kind of get used to them and, or, you know, if you have a little bit of a thick skin, it's, it's manageable and, you know, it takes a little bit of adjustment, obviously, but, <clears throat> um, highly recommended nonetheless, but still, uh, I had an experience where, you know, um, I was booking a room at a hotel and I asked them to guide me, uh, up to my room and set up the Wi-Fi uh and show me where everything was and they told me they couldn't do that uh because they didn't offer services like that so fortunately that time i did have a friend with me and you know she was able to lend me a hand um and you know but that that still happened and it wasn't you know was again something that you know not necessarily would happen here uh and if it did happen here you could ask to speak to a manager and you could, you know, kind of fight it. But in Japan, you know, my, my friend who was with me at the time, you know, she was really upset, but she just kind of said, oh, you know, we just kind of have to grit our teeth and deal with it because that's how the culture works. Mm. Um, so it, it, it was a lot of adjusting for me. And I think as a result, I th and I think this is, this is the story that I kind of really wanted to share about most is tra travel can be stressful, um, you know, and 
all of those experiences kind of piled up. And so I spent two days in um, Osaka, which is another big city in Japan. And I went there <clears throat> on my own and uh, I was going to meet up with a few friends and they were all, you know, they all turned out to be sick. Uh, one of them had an interview uh, for work and stuff like that. So I couldn't meet up with them. And I thought, you know, I'm in, I'm in Osaka and I'll just, um, you know, I was excited and I was like, big city i'm by myself maybe i'll just walk around and see what i can find and meet people and it turned you know and i was about to leave and then all of these experiences kind of came up in my head and i was like you know what <sighs> maybe i won't uh because the hotel i was also staying at um now here we talk about accessibility again being different from city to city because yes in big cities most things are accessible um but even then there are still going to be places that aren't uh and at the hotel at the hotel i was staying at uh, the elevators did not have Braille on them. Uh, neither did my room. So I had to figure out the correct button for my floor and count the doors as I walked down the mm -hmm. hall. So, yeah. you know, accessibility is there, uh, but it's certainly not perfect. And like Kaho said, it really depends on where you go. Uh, Tokyo was accessible. If somebody was to ask me, I think that's what I would say. Would you agree? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, if I, you know, said, if you say, is Japan accessible? I would say, well, Tokyo is. Uh, right. Everywhere else kind of depends on where you, you know, where you end up. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I, I had this kind of mental breakdown because I thought, you know, I don't want to have to deal with that again. And I don't want to have to deal with awkward questions and people not being helpful and getting lost and stuff like that. And then I, I thought to myself, I was like, you know, my Japanese has been complimented you know, so many times over the past 10 years or so, uh, people have told me I have similar Japanese abilities to, you know, somebody who was born in Japan. And if I was sighted, I could have a great time because I wouldn't have communication issues, which gives me a, which would, in theory, give me a huge advantage. Mm -hmm. uh, but because of the one fact that my eyes didn't work, that was going to make everything, you know, really awkward. And uh, no matter how good my Japanese is, uh, it was going to be a problem. So it was it was really hard. Um, so I, I love I loved the trip, but I would say the biggest thing that it, I kind of came back with was that yes, you know things can be accessible and in place as much as you like, but it's the attitudes of the people that matter. It's not necessarily how much braille you have or how much you know, kind of tactile feedback you have or how good the sounds are. Mm -hmm. um, it really is about the people. That's um, true. And I'll, and I'll close off one with a positive because I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't want to end on a negative note. One thing I did find really cool was uh, when I went to Japan, I discovered that every single train station platform has a jingle, like a musical jingle. Okay. Um, that plays whenever that train is about to leave. Oh. Um, and it was very cool to me because I'd never, I didn't know that before. Uh, I, I knew the music was there, but I always just kind of assumed it was background, but I didn't know that they were specific to each platform of each train of each station. There are tons of them. And so in terms of one, one layer of accessibility that isn't, always really talked about um, because it's not braille and it's not tactile. Japan is a very, very audible country, mm -hmm. especially in the big cities, right? Kaho, like, can you, yeah. like, what, what else, what else is there that you can kind of hear as you're walking down the street that helps you to find things? Like, you know, like in the big city, like it is definitely easier to live once I get to know where I'm going, like where I'm trying to go. The tactic paths are always there. And like there is a, uh, the, uh, there is a audio in the light, like the, like two yeah, person street lights. Yeah. Yeah, 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 traffic light. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the train is very audible. Like there is a different voice at the each platform, like telling us which train is coming. Mm -hmm. So like once we get to know the place, it is easier for me to walk by myself. Yeah. Right. And so those those audible landmarks are amazing because I didn't 
you know, that was, I think, the most fascinating thing for me going there. I couldn't stop marveling <laughs> over the train thing uh, or, like, just is sounds. Did I – I don't know if I dreamt this or someone said this or if it was Japan, but is there the sound of running water near washrooms, bathrooms? Sound of running water, yes. <laughs> yes. Or, like, a water sound? No? Yes. yes. There is? It is, yeah. Okay, yeah. that is so cool. There are, and there are also. <laughs> I think there are also. Uh, there, I there there was. Uh, I I remember walking through a train station. I heard I heard birds, and I was like, "What is with the oh, birds?" Yeah. yeah. And my birds friend was are... like, "Oh, that's just that's just you know the sounds that let you know that stairs are coming up or escalators." What? Are coming up. Like, yeah, yeah. Whoa! That's a, that to go a... up, birds yeah. to go up. Yeah. Like, like either way, it. goes up, goes down. Those are so cool. Like, that's really helpful. Yeah. It is I, cool. And I was like, why are there birds in this? Because uh, among other things, just geeking out about audio for a second, Japan's train audio quality and their station speakers are way better than ours. And so there's a lot of things where, like, you'll hear it and you won't be able to tell that it's coming out of a speaker. Huh. Yeah. Uh, and those and, birds are one of them. And now that's why I was like, why are there birds in a station? We're underground. <laughs> and my friend was like, oh, that. those are, that's an yeah. audible indicator. And I was like, oh, that's really that is cool. amazing. So yeah. when the stairs, like there is a braille on the handrail telling us yes. uh, where the stairs are going. Yes. Oh, yes. cool. Which yeah. exit um, the stairs are going towards. Yeah. So like I can read my Japanese Braille. So that makes me like that that is that helps me a lot. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh and on trains, and this is the last one I'll mention, this kind of last jewel that I found was on and there's more, uh, but you know, we don't have enough time to go into all of them. But um the trains, uh, at least in again in Tokyo, uh, we have to qualify. Most of this stuff is in Tokyo. Yeah. Um the doors are marked in Braille. Um, so it'll tell you, and I, I can read just enough Japanese Braille to get this, um, but it'll tell you that station? you are sitting in, no, that you are on the third, you are at the third door of the oh. second car. Oh, cool. So if you're lining up help at the other yes. end or yes. meeting somebody yes. or, or whatever. Or meeting a friend, you can say, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm, at, I'm, at the, I'm, at, I'm on the second car, the mm -hmm. third door. Right. And it's awesome. That's I cool. used it four or five times when I was there and it was fantastic. Yeah, and the numbers are universal in Braille, so. Yes. Right, okay. <laughs> That's cool. Well, and then there was, what I, well, the numbers are universal and there was something that I thought was an S that mm -hmm. I was like, what does that mean? And then I, my friend explained it to me. And then I was like, oh, that's not an S. That's Japanese. So. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, but the numbers are there. And it was like, I saw them and I was like, what are these numbers for? And she told me and I was like, oh, that that's is cool. That's yeah. so cool. So there, there are a lot of little things that we don't think about. Because, you know, the, the, train, the station melodies are, you know, the things that fascinated me because they're not meant for blind people necessarily. They're not. Um, they're, they're not. I did some research into it because I was, mm. um, I was curious, and they're actually supposed to be a mood lightener. They're a de-stressor for people who are rushing to work or mm. rushing home mm -hmm. after work. They're supposed to help lighten the mood and help people relax. So why are they all different though? Because they could just be. It could just be the same sounds on every platform that's a great question and i don't actually know why but i do oh, yeah that, that's a good question yeah but, but it's it should like i think it is to distinguish the station yeah 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 it is to distinguish the station and i think sir, there's some of them are you know they're themed so some of them are based on famous landmarks that are mm -hmm, mm -hmm, around mm -hmm. there Mm -hmm. um, some of the older cities have more like traditional Japanese style melodies. Okay. Um, so there's a lot of things, but it's really cool because they're not actually meant for blind people. They just happen to fall into place yeah. Yeah. and they work really well. They're helpful. So that yeah. was really cool. There's a lot of little things like that. And, or, you know, uh, they have buttons like, like Kaho said, there's buttons to call servers in restaurants. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, every table has a buzz, you know, it's like a buzzer. Oh, so okay. Press, That's cool. And it'll go bing in the kitchen and it'll flash. Oh, yeah, yeah. Know what I, want, I want that button in Vancouver. Because yeah. Yes, I do too. To, to like get the server, right? I like, do too. I, I just need to wait for him yeah. to come to yeah. the table. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Uh, or oh, in some cool. Japanese restaurants, you know, it's it's pol- it's not, you know, here you would never do this, but in Japan, you know, you can kind of lift your hand and go, "Excuse me," yeah. and you know, somebody will come by. Whereas here, you cannot do that because that yeah. would be, you know, rude, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> lots of little things, you know. So I, I I would say, as as hard as some of the parts of the trip were, I I loved Japan. There were so many things that, again, little things, and this is what I appreciate. I think. Uh, as I've gotten older and as I've experienced more of the world, is things that aren't necessarily for us, uh, but that we can take full advantage of. Mm-hmm. And Japan's got a lot of those little things that are all kind of hidden away, and it's so much fun uh, yeah. discovering what those were. That's really cool. I did have a question about whether there are aspects of Japanese culture that are difficult if you're blind. Mm, I don't know, like, since I was born in Japan, I'm quite used to being in Japanese culture. Like, mm. I take those kind of things as normal for me. Okay. But, you know, like, pe- like when blind people <clears throat> come to Japan from different countries, they, yeah, often struggle to use chopsticks or, like, those kind of things. But I think, culturally, I struggle more, like, with people's attitude okay but like it it is very difficult for me to like voice and stand up for myself to Mm -hmm. fight Mm -hmm. because i was told to be patient i was told to be grateful for what i have like i was told to be thankful for people to do what they do for me like no matter what they are yes so like i that it is funny because like i i am in canada like i i am japanese born and raised there but it makes me feel easier to stand up for myself in canada right mm. but was that hard at the beginning speaking up for yourself when you first came here you know having to go through school and asking for accommodations and stuff like that was that yeah like i had so many experiences like in canada like like Canada's difficult. Like it was like first I, I went to Langara College to study and you know, uh like like everything was different. Like uh mm, so I asked for accommodation and they said like first they said no because I was international. Mm. Like in Canada being an international student is more difficult than being a like being a person right. with disability. Mm. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I would yeah. agree with that. Like they like I asked them to uh rent me like to rent a braille sense for me, like to take an exam and they said no because I am an international. Wow. And like like there there was a lot of negotiation going on and finally they said yes and I very appreciate that. But like those kinds of things that I cannot like register CNIB, I cannot get the uh compass card like the free compass card because i am not canadian really yeah Uh, (laughs) wow that's that's unfortunate so i i didn't know this for a long time and this is really interesting to me that in in japan i don't know if this is still happening i don't know if this still happens or not um uh one of our friends uh tomoyo i saw her one time Braille, uh, using a Slayton stylus, and she was so quick, and I was like, and I, I've I've known other Japanese people who use Slayton styluses, um, yeah. and it's always fast. And I asked her, I said, "Do you like? Did you learn that later?" And she's like, "No, they taught us this in school." Mm-hmm. And w- no, we don't learn that anymore. Yeah, uh, I think that probably. I I didn't even learn how to learn use a Slayton stylus when I was in school. Really? And I remember, I, yeah. And I remember I asked her why, and she said, "Well, it's because in Japan, especially if you go to a regular school, a braille is too disruptive because yeah. Japanese has a culture of it's also a culture of not disturbing people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they don't talk on trains. 
uh, you know, if you're on if you're in a crowded space where there's a lot of people, you know, turn your phone off, that kind of thing. Oh wow! And so they this whole idea of using learning how to use a stylus because a brailler was too disruptive for the class. It was one of those really interesting things I'd never thought about. But it was really cool to see how many Japanese people could use a stylus. Like they could braille as fast with a stylus that I could braille with a on brailler. a brailler. Wow. Uh, and yeah. that was really cool. That's impressive. Yeah. yeah. We do learn style so, the stylus. And like this is like using the stylus and stuff, like style and the stylus is the way for students to take exams and like take English proficiency wow. test. And I, I thought it was normal. So when I came to Canada, I said to Langara and stuff, like, hey, I'm going to use style and the stylus to take an LEP, <laughs> Langara English test, to, to enter the Langara. And they are like, what are you talking about? I was like, <laughs> So do you, in oh. Japan, is do, do you have the Perkins Brailler, the yes, Braille yes, machine yes, typewriter? Yes, okay, yeah, you do. Yeah, you just do. aren't encouraged to use it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, do you learn English Braille and Japanese Braille? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I learn English Braille, like, as, like, as, like, like, uh, when was it? I started learning English Braille when I was in grade, grade seven, the, like, grade, grade seven, was when like everyone started learning english okay. like we learned french mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah okay wow yeah That's so that really was cool. that was really cool i just i brought i brought that up because you were thinking about like cultural things that were different you know that specifically for blind people to adjust to and that was one of the things that i realized was like we could all benefit from you learning how to use the style <laughs> like, yeah use the like, yeah so it is a little more discreet definitely and more yeah. portable yeah. If you want to carry it around with you and take yeah. notes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, mean, I still know I still know somebody uh, who uses, you know, she's older, but she's Japanese. She lives here. She's also blind. And she uses, a, you know, when she's, oh, give, give me your phone number. And she whipped out a stylus. And I was like, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> I, I know some older adults who, who use this like, <laughs> stylus too. Like, yeah. it, it used to be a thing. I, yeah. I have, I have. One. Which yeah, so do I. I. I do occasionally use it for brailing a card or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kaho, do you have any advice for a blind person who was going to go visit Japan? What, what, what should they do when they're there? Clement, you can answer this too. Like what, what must you do when you go to Japan? What is going to be a really great experience? Oh, oh, Japan is a, Japan is a great place to go sightseeing. Like Japan is a place to to travel. So Don't be discouraged to go there. Like, <laughs> yeah. There are so many nice people. Like yeah. Tokyo is a very fun place to ex- explore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But and um, but like if you know somebody who can guide you in Japan, that'll be great. And yeah. if you um, if you like if you book the hotel and you just tell them like that you are blind in advance there are they treat you very nicely okay yeah yeah are there and, certain sites that you would recommend certain tourist places to go uh if you experience a traditional japanese culture like you know wearing kimono like mm-hmm. doing some tea ceremony yeah doing some like eating some japanese traditional food i would recommend going to kyoto and there is like lots of bilingual touring kyoto mm-hmm. so if you don't mm-hmm. speak japanese that's totally fine like they can give you a tour in english and there is a like taxi that you can book for a day and they can take you to everywhere you want to do and like the some taxi drivers are bilingual like they are fluent in english and you can request for that when you book a tour and i would definitely recommend that i didn't know that yeah, and if you want to experience like the Japanese uh, big city, then I would I would recommend to go to Tokyo. And okay. yeah, that's great. Yeah, thank that, you. Those are all great. And the food. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Food. Um, and you know, food. I think I think especially for people who are blind, it's it's a must to go. It you know because for for us sometimes audibly interesting experiences mm-hmm. are plentiful 
in Japan. Yeah. You will yeah. have, there's no end to find sounds that you will never hear anywhere else. Um, you know, so attend a fest like especially if you go in the summertime or the springtime, attend a festival. Japan has one of the I think I read somewhere, I think Japan has the most festivals in a year. Uh, mm -hmm. more than any other country in the world. I don't know if that's true or not, but I can believe it <laughs> because we have there's so many of them. Yeah, um, there are lots uh, of festivals going yeah. on outside in summer and yeah. like nice. lots of fireworks are going on. Fireworks, <laughs> you'll hear lots of drums. Yeah, um, drums there's lots of, you know, the, and, kitchen car, like everywhere. Yeah, nice. and uh, there's lots of, you know, Japan, it's a very vocal culture when it's when they're when they're in festivals. People chant and people, you know, shout and there's lots of cool things to see there. Um, and for sure, uh, go to some museums if you like history and if you like old things, because there are some things that are there are a lot of things that are tactile that you can touch. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, all the things that Kaho recommended, I would recommend as well, for sure. Cool. Oh, thank you both so much. I think this is really cool. It's cool to have Clement, your perspective of visiting Japan, because I feel like you know, might have noticed some of the accessibility features that Kaho would just take for granted. Um, but also fantastic, Kaho, to meet you and to hear about your experience. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. And uh, if anybody is going to Japan and wants uh, people who are blind and bilingual, Kaho and I are both available. <laughs> sure. I'm happy to. <laughs> okay, you can email uh, limitless at blindbeginnings.ca right. and you will you can take a blind person to Japan. They will, they will uh, patch you through to either of us. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Personal guides for uh, uh, the payment of your trip or what? what is your fee? <laughs> I'm I'm happy just to go, but you know right. I, I won't I won't say no to payment for my trip either. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much, you guys. This was really great. You've been listening to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. If you have a question, a comment, a future topic request, please send us an email to limitless at blindbeginnings.ca. Please share our podcast, like, subscribe, leave us a rating, and join us next time. This podcast has been brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted, along with their families. Music for this podcast is composed by Sean Bishop and Clement Chow. Production and audio editing by Rob Minot. For more information about Blind Beginnings and the work it does to support children and youth who are blind and partially sighted, along with their families, visit us on the web at www.blindbeginnings.ca and also remember to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We thank you for joining us and we look forward to seeing you next time. <laughs> <laughs>